Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Manager Podcast. My name is Art, and I'm your host, and uh, I'm just so happy to be here with you, really. Uh, You know, this is a place where we talk about uh, mindfulness and emotional intelligence and how uh, these two things combined uh, can really unlock the potential of uh, of you in in any area of your life that you want to talk about. And and it really is, the the benefits really are that innumerable. Um, There's really no end to them. So, uh, I hope that you all have been, um, you know, gaining some of this benefit out of what I've been talking about, particularly with the practices uh, that I talk about every Wednesday. Um, each Wednesday, for all for those of you listening now that don't know, uh, each Wednesday I go over a specific uh, meditation practice, a formal practice, um, which uh, which is geared and and you know which will effectively uh, develop these wonderful benefits of mindfulness, which will help you to be present, to be open to new experiences, to be uh, to be non less judging, to be more patient, to to listen more, speak less, all kinds of good things that are really really helpful uh, to again in any any uh, part of your life that you want to talk about, all right? So um, so today, I want to talk to you about uh, sustaining a daily practice, all right? Uh, you know, the, the practices that I talk about on Wednesdays, and also I, I sprinkle into other episodes, uh, informal practices, which are also very beneficial because they don't require this sort of commitment to sitting down and doing a formal practice, which sometimes can get a little uh, overwhelming for people, as I'm going to discuss here today. Uh, so these informal Formal practices are meant to sort of uh, bridge the gap a little bit between the formal, um, you know, sessions that you do, and to sort of, you know, increase your mindfulness outside of that that formal practice. So, um, so I hope that all of this has been very beneficial to you. And so, in addition to those informal practices, there's um, there's a couple of uh, you know uh, things that I want to talk to you today about sustaining a, a, a daily practice. All right. Now, first of all, one of the most important things that I personally learned about mindfulness as a student and then later as a teacher. And, uh, and one of the first things that I tell everyone with whom I work or even talk to about mindfulness is that mindfulness cannot be learned. It must be practiced. Okay. Now I'm sure that I've said this a few times during these episodes as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny, like that statement is, is, almost entirely true, right? Because it is very important to do some learning, right? Because these concepts are usually pretty foreign to most people and uh, and some are outright counterintuitive to us, especially us in the Western world, you know, um, you know, things like presence and, and like focusing on on what it is that you're doing. You know, in, in the Western world, we seem to be uh, rewarding ourselves for the idea of multitasking, you know, but uh, as I've discussed here before, you know, multitasking really, when you boil it down, all that really means is dividing your attention between, you know, multiple tasks, which, you know, which means that you're not going to do any of those as effectively as you would if you really focus your full attention and your full energy on that given task. So, you know, so, so these things are kind of counterintuitive and that's not the only one, <laughs> um, you know, but, but the idea is that, you know, simply reading about 
you know, mindfulness and understanding the concepts is just not enough to really make it happen for you. Okay. Um, you know, to develop these skills and these, and this change in the way that you, you know, operate in relationship to your life and to the world around you. Okay. Which is really where the magic of mindfulness is, you know? Um, and the reason I make sure to tell people this, you know, is that it's easy to fall into this intuition and think, you know, okay, be present. Don't judge. Let the emotions go. Got it. I'm good, right? <laughs> and I say that because this is exactly what happened to me when I first started uh, my own mindfulness journey uh, several years ago, right? I read a couple of books. I understand the concepts. I loved it all, you know, and I like really, really loved it. Like I understood that this was, you know, this was really important stuff and, and, and it was a really powerful learning experience for me. And so I felt like I was a changed man, right? Like that was all I needed. And and even people around me saw this in me, you know, in the beginning, right? And this all this beautiful, wonderful change, you know, lasted for about six months, right? And then, um, and and because remember that almost everything that we do as humans is automatic and habitual, right? Ninety five percent of our thoughts are are you know, and almost the same percentage of our actions are all automatic. So so when I learned how mindfulness works you know, uh, worked and understood the, the science behind it, you know, and then I became aware, aware of the outcomes and, and the positive effects on my life, you know, it was enough to get me so excited that I purposefully lived what I understood as a mindful life, right? Uh, that is until the circumstances of my life, right? Whether it was work or family, you know, or just the stuff of life, right? Or, or all of it combined, you know, um, became stronger, you know, than this new outlook and, and the knowledge. That, and, and at that point, I reverted back to the automatic and habitual ways. Okay. So what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, sure, anybody can read a book, anybody can listen to this podcast, anybody can, you know, understand this stuff on a, on a, you know, conceptual level and a cognitive level. Right. But, but when you're challenged by one of life's many curveballs, you're going to tend to revert back to your habits. Right. And that's why, um, you know, that's why practice is the is the key word, right? Because as we practice, we develop new habits and therefore life can throw us as many curveballs as it wants. And, and we're just going to automatically be in this state of mindfulness, right? And that's where we talk about, you know, the state of mindfulness becoming a trait of mindfulness in your life. And that again, can only happen through repeated practice and regular practice. All right. Um, now in my experience, you know, um, you know, or I should say that my experience is, I think, pretty typical of, of anyone who, who gets into mindfulness, right? Um, and this is mostly because it's so simple, right? <laughs> you know, when, when I demonstrate the simple practice and I, and I tell people about the science behind it and I talk about the results, you know, people get it right away and, and they jump right in, right? <laughs> and many people, We'll stick with it for a few days, maybe a week or so. But then again, the busy, you know, the, the life busyness, right, gets gets overwhelming or, or they become distracted or or they just kind of get bored with it and realize that there's too much other things to do. And, and, you know, and again, you feel like, well, I get the concept. I understand. Yeah, let go. Be patient. You know, don't judge. I get it. I get it. Okay, so I don't need to practice, you know. And, um, and I think this is what John Kabat-Zinn means when he says, 
says, and he says this over and over again in many of his books, is that mindfulness practice is simple but not easy, okay? And, um, and in fact, there's another person, uh, there's a Buddhist monk named Mingyur uh, Rinpoche, uh, which I might be butchering that name, is, again, I am not a Buddhist, I don't, you know, it's not my thing, but, but this guy's actually really cool. And if you look him up on, um, on YouTube, he's got some amazing videos about you know, practice and, and, you know, just about what it's all about. And he's really entertaining the way he presents it. He's not a classic, you know, uh, austere kind of Buddhist monk. He's, he's like fun, you know, so, uh, so you can look him up. Um, I believe this spelling is M-I-N-G-Y-U-R-R-I-N-P-O-C-H-E. I'm sure that's close enough to get you through YouTube, right? But anyway, um, he famously said that, that when he was starting meditation as a young child. Now, his father was a, a Buddhist monk of like a, a very high level. Um, uh, and, uh, and what he says as a young child was that I liked the idea of meditation, but not the practice, right? <laughs> and, uh, and this is the key, right? Like we all want the benefits, right? But, but to, to do the work to get the benefits is a whole different story, right? And, and it's cool to, to, you know, to do this. I mean, this, uh, to, to admit this, this is like almost everybody feels this way. And in fact, you know, in a lot of ways, this is very similar to an exercise routine, right? We all want to be healthy, right? We all want to be fit and we all want to look better in the mirror, right? But we don't all really want to spend the hours of our days in the gym sweating and getting sore muscles and, and doing the whole process, right? And, um, and just like with an exercise uh, routine, you know, if we can, you know, sort of push ourselves through the first few weeks, you know, we start to then feel better and we start to look better in the mirror. And then and the reward, you know, of that quickly outweighs the investment that's required. Right now, incidentally, this uh, this often uh, gets us to develop to develop other beneficial habits like, you know, like eating healthier or drinking and or smoking less and, you know, and taking the stairs instead of the elevator or or choosing a parking space that's further away from the door where we're going, this, the door to the store that we're going into, right? We start adopting these other habits that feed into this benefit of, of our fitness, right? And, and there's science behind this, actually. This is, um, this is what Charles Duhigg uh, describes as a key, keystone habit in his amazing and wonderful book, The Power of Habit, right? And, and this, the way this works is that, you know, the reward of feeling good and looking good is so strong that we will effortlessly, you know, tend to adopt other habits that don't work against this one and that provide us with, you know, with, with, you know, an extra push towards this goal of these awesome feelings that we're having, right? Uh, now, I'll spend more time in another episode discussing this, uh, this concept and, and, and habits in general, right? But, um, but mindfulness habit, mindfulness practice works in the very same way as exercise in this context, okay? Uh, after a few weeks of daily practice, right, most people will realize that, you know, we, we have better focus, you know, we're more calm, we're more patient, you know, our, our relationships are better, 
better. People seem to be more warm to us because they're feeling our warmth. You know, uh, we're not judging ourselves or criticizing ourselves so much. And it just feels amazing, right? And and at that point, it feels effortless, right, to do the practice because, because of this reward. And most people will find themselves then engaging in activities that enhance the benefits um, and avoiding those that work against the benefits, right? And so, you know, in mindfulness, you know, not necessarily like uh, like exercise, um, in mindfulness, this could mean, you know, reading more and watching less TV, you know, or, or not wanting to turn to outside substances to relax, right? Or, or simply, you know, paying more attention because we like what we see when we do pay attention, right? Like these things become like sort of, you know, ancillary habits that, that all feed into this mindfulness, right? And, and just like, just like exercise, you know, the key is to just get over that hump of the initial few weeks or, or even a couple of months until this momentum is created right now. Now, of course, just like the gym, you know, even accomplished and seasoned meditators will still once in a while have to kind of, uh, force themselves to get into their practice every day, you know, and, um, and, and some, you know, some won't, it won't necessarily be easy every day, right? Um, but these are definitely the exception to the rule, right? Like, so for myself, I can tell you that, you know, I do 20 minutes of meditation every single morning, no matter what. Now I might do more throughout the day after that. And I certainly do a lot of informal practices to feed into the overall mindfulness as I discussed a minute ago, but, but every day I definitely do my 20 minutes of sitting rain or shine, no matter what. Right. And, and some days, right. Some days I feel like, you know, the, the timer goes off so quickly. I'm like, wow, that just, didn't seem like anything, right? But there's other days where I actually open my eyes to look at the timer because I think I haven't set it because it feels like it's gone so long, you know, and, and I'm there and it winds up only being like 15 minutes and I feel like it's been 35, you know, because because that's the thing, like we are humans, right? And we're, there is an ebb and a flow to our energies about this stuff. So, so please understand that that is always going to be the case, right? However, the more you do it, the, the easier it is to sort of, you know, and this is where mindfulness feeds itself, right? Because it's easy to like not judge when it, when you're having a hard time. You know, it's easy to just sort of look at that as just sort of a an interesting phenomenon rather than a, a sort of a shortcoming of ourselves. Okay, and again, that's a product of the mindfulness. So like you know, it's like this this self feeding loop that becomes really really beautiful. So um, so anyway, today I want to give you a few tips uh, that will help you uh, in the process of developing a daily practice. Okay. Um, and again, this is all for, you know, just, just to get us past that kind of initial hump of, you know, of time before, you know, before we start feeling and seeing the results in our life, because once that happens, it's like, it's easy. It's like riding a bicycle downhill, you know, you just put your legs up and scream it out, you know? Um, so, so the first one is don't go it alone. Okay, you know, now in the same way as going to the gym is is much easier to do with someone else who will hold you accountable and push you when necessary. You know, having someone else uh, practice mindfulness with you uh, will help in the very, very same way. Okay, now, um, 
Unlike the gym, however, you know, mindfulness is a very personal and solitary practice. Now, um, you know, so instead of kind of having someone sit with you, right, although this can be very effective too, you know, and this is the whole point of, of meditation classes, you know, that there, there are places you can go that every Wednesday night at six o'clock, there's a meditation class where 20 people get together and they sit down, someone guides them through a meditation. And so that's like sort of a similar vibe, you know, um, you know, but, but the, the idea of getting a mindfulness buddy, you know, in, in the context that I'm talking about here is that, um, is that you and this mindfulness buddy should, should have a conversation, uh, you know, like pick a certain day each week and have a 15 or 20 minute conversation, you know, even like 10 minutes is fine. I mean, I generally tell people 15 minutes, you know, it's just sort of an average, uh, but, you know, gauge it for yourself. But the idea is to, to pick a time every week. Okay. So every Monday at eight o'clock, you, you and I are going to get on the phone with each other and we're going to discuss, you know, how our mindfulness practice is going. Right. And so, um, and, and so the things that you might want to discuss if you're doing this is sort of like how, number one, how the practice itself is going, right. Um, what, what challenges you're facing facing and how you're handling them. Right. And then also, you know, talk, you know, talk about the specific things that have happened, you know, differently than you'd have expected them to happen since starting your mindfulness practice. Okay. Um, now, this second topic of conversation is really important, you know, to, to talk about how, how things in life have, have been experienced differently, right, is really important for two really big reasons, okay? The first is that, you know, you will have to come up with, you know, with, um, you know, you, you'll have to come up with things for your Monday call, right? So, so, you know, you don't want to show up and not have anything to talk about, right? So, so because you have to come up with stuff for that Monday call, you know, from, from Tuesday to Sunday, you're going to be paying more attention and you're going to be looking for things that, that are, you know, life examples that have changed, you know, since you started mindfulness. And if you remember, paying attention is the very first, you know, act of mindfulness, right? So, so that in and of itself becomes a practice, right? I hope you feel what I'm saying there. So, you know, and again, that feeds the momentum and just doing that, you're going to, you know, you're going to reach that hump where it becomes a downhill ride that much faster and that much easier. Okay. Uh, and number two, the second reason why, why this, um, this is very important. This second topic of, of talking about how life changes, uh, you know, your relationship to life changes with your mindfulness practice is that because unlike the gym, you know, mindfulness practice won't show on a scale or in a mirror, right? It's like the only way you can perceive the progress, right, is through the way that you respond to things that come up in your life. Okay. So, you know, and this is a tricky thing because this is like a lot of people ask me, me when they're getting into mindfulness, like, well, well, how will I know that it's working? You know, and, and it's weird because, you know, again, it's not like looking at your biceps every morning in the mirror and seeing like, wow, look at that. It's getting bigger because of all these curls I've been doing, right? It doesn't work that way with mindfulness. And the only way that you can see it is by seeing how you handle those curveballs in your life, right? Like the times when, you know, for me, you know, a lot of times it's like the trigger of the children fighting with each other, you know? And and, and like, you know, once I realized that I was no longer being triggered by that, that was the evidence of my own mindfulness at work. 
all right, and, and the effects becoming reality, okay? Now, if you have any questions about this, I know this gets a little complicated. If you have any questions about this, I'm going to give you a way to get in touch with me at the end of this um, at the end of this podcast. The people who are regular listeners are probably bored stiff of me saying this every day, but I'm going to save it for the end for them, all right? Um, and so the, the next tip, the second tip that I have... Um, about getting into this mindfulness practice or sustaining your mindfulness, daily mindfulness practice, is to do less than you can, okay? Um, You know, this is why I always, always, always tell my clients and students to limit themselves to two minutes of practice for the first two weeks at least, okay? Um, and, And what I tell people, and I'm telling you, is that if you, if you feel ambitious and you want to do more than two minutes, right? Because a lot of times, again, in our American, you know, instinct, a lot of times we say, well, if two minutes is good, then 10 minutes is great, right? So screw that. I'm doing 10 minutes, right? And so, so for those of you who feel that way, I tell you to do multiple two-minute sets throughout the day, okay? So set a timer, do two minutes, get up, stretch, walk around, shake your arms out, then sit down and do two more minutes, okay? Or or even more, you know, even better, do two minutes at, you know, in the morning before you leave for work, do two minutes right before lunch, do two minutes right after you leave work, and do two minutes right before bed, right? Doing something like that is going to make it more of a of an extended thing that you're going to get, you know, you're visiting this place of meditation more you know, throughout the day. And then, you know, it sort of becomes this like, you know, the, the dots kind of connect after a little while, you know, so, so those are the ways in which to, um, to do that. So, but the reason for this, right, is that just about anyone can sit for two minutes, right, without feeling bored or challenged or or any kind of like, you know, pain that might come with that, right? But the thing is that if you try to push yourself too much, right, and try to go for five minutes or 10 minutes, right, you you will, you know, most likely in the first couple of weeks, especially, you're going to start to feel strained and and challenged to the degree that you will be discouraged or, or disinterested in pushing on. Right. And and, you know, and if if you're not just straight up discouraged and disinterested, a lot of times what will also happen is that you'll start judging yourself for not being be, you know, not being good at it, not being able to do this. Right. And once we start judging ourselves in that way. Right. What happens is and I've talked about this a lot is that, you know, our our subconscious brain is constantly listening in on these thoughts. Right. And, and if, if our subconscious brain hears that we're we're judging ourselves and criticizing ourselves for this thing, our subconscious brain views that as a threat, okay? And once your subconscious brain thinks that something you're doing is a threat, it is going to work very, very hard to convince you not to do it, all right? And that's this is a really important factor because it's the way our brains work, right? And, and I'm going to tell you now that once you get to that point, that hurdle is is so high that that almost no one can leap over it, right? And and at that point, we're gonna have to figure out like some really uh, creative ways to sort of get around this, and it's gonna require a lot more work in the end. So that's why it's really important to just you know stop before you're you know you're at that point, right? And that's why again I set the number at two minutes each. I mean your number might be a little bit higher, but the idea is to just you know kind of stop before you're done, right? Like like know that you could do a little 
little bit more and stop at that point, like when you still have some gas left in the tank, as it were, all right? Um, this, by the way, is a really good habit to get into with everything in your life, <laughs> you know, particularly with eating. Um, there's, a, there's a few communities, a few areas of the world, and I, I'm sorry I'm digressing with this, but this is really important, that there's a few areas in the world that have been identified as what's called blue zones, where people live to be much longer than the people in surrounding areas and and you know one of the most common um uh traits of these blue blue zones is that people tend to eat about 80 percent or or eat until they are 80 percent full right and so again if you can get into this concept of just you know kind of leaving something in the in the gas tank you know a lot of things in your life could be improved by that and again i'll get into that in another episode that's a little bit off topic here and so uh, so i'm not going to dwell on that any further but again I'll give you information on get in touch with me. If you want to talk about that, that's a really important topic that I could talk about for a long time, and I'd be happy to do so with you. Um, Okay, so this brings us to the last uh, point that I want to uh, talk about, and it's kind of similar to the second one. Um, And and that is, this is the idea of setting the bar super low, okay? Now, and I mean super low. In fact, uh, Meng Tan, who is the, uh, the, you know, person who, who started a mindfulness program at Google, um, he suggests that, uh, that setting the only requirements that you have every day as one single mindful breath per day, okay? Um, and, and even that, he, he even hedges that and says, even setting the intention to take one single mindful breath per day is enough. And the idea with this is that if you consider that this is the only requirement that you have, right, and everything else is a bonus, everything else is gravy, then then you won't feel any pressure to get that done and you can allow this momentum to build, you know, from there, right? So the idea, uh, you know, to, to state it otherwise is that, you know, if, if you know that the only thing that you must do every day is just one breath, like literally sitting down and paying attention, setting the intention to, to pay attention to one single in-breath and out-breath, right? If that's your only requirement, then you'll never fail, right? Like that, that is like easy, you know, easy peasy Japanesey, right? Like there's no way that you can get past that, right? Like, or, or be defeated by that, right? And so, so therefore by, by setting that, that, you know, really low bar, you know, um, it just, it makes it like, you know, the, the building of the momentum, right? And this is not just him that says this, like a lot of people will say this, like, you know, if you want to get into doing exercise, for instance, start by doing one push up in the morning, right? Don't, don't think about 10 or 25 or 50 pushups, you know, just do one. And I can tell you that this has worked for me personally. I'm up to the point where I do a hundred to 150 pushups every single day now. Right. But three or four years ago, I, I, I couldn't have done one pushup, you know? And so, and so I just said, just do one. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, or a few days later, one became two, two became five, five became 10, you know, and 10 ultimately became 150. And that's how it works, right? So if you start really slow, the, the visual I like to tell people is, is trying to roll a big, 
boulder or a big, you know, anything that you want to roll, right? That, that, you know, it's just about getting that one little rock going, right? Like the, the rocking back and forth, not the rock like the boulder, but just getting that, that little, you know, nudge, right? If you can just get that going, then every time you nudge it a little further, it's, it's going to go with the same effort. It's going to roll a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more until the thing rolls over and then it's just rolling down a hill and you're not trying anything, right? And so it's a very similar thing to that, okay? I hope that makes sense to y'all. And then the beauty about this is that, um, you know, we can think of this this one mindful breath as something that we're doing for ourselves in, in an act of kindness towards ourselves, right? And And when we can, you know, do this, we develop, you know, a mental habit of, of you know, of kind of doing this one kind thing for ourselves every day. And once that becomes a habit, then mindfulness itself becomes more intuitive, right? Because we're, we're now, you know, we're, we're trying to do something nice for ourselves. We're in the habit of doing something nice for ourselves. And then mindfulness is just more of that. All right. Now, again, I hope that makes sense. And here's my big speech about getting in touch with me. Uh, so all you regular listeners can go for the day. You've done your work. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening. Uh, but for all of you who haven't heard my spiel before, um, I want to tell you that, uh, that there's a couple of things here that I want to tell you. Number one is that I love to talk to people, especially about mindfulness. So, uh, so I really encourage you to get in touch with me if you like, if you would like to discuss any of this, uh, any further, or certainly if you have any questions. Okay. Because the other thing that I want to say is that, you know, I spend a lot of time and effort putting these, uh, episodes together, you know, between the, you know, preparing them and writing them out and then, and then, you know, sitting here and recording them, you know, it's, it takes time and effort out of my day. And, and I'm happy to do that because I, I know the effects that are going to be realized by people people who do these practices. Okay. I just know it works, right? It's science. It's not question, right? And so the last thing that I want is to think of somebody who's like just not getting it because I phrased something in a certain way that just didn't connect with them or, or, you know, or I left out some detail that, you know, because I'm, you know, I do this stuff all the time. So sometimes, you know, I might gloss over something that somebody else might get stuck on. Right. And so I would hate to think that, that somebody is, is not getting the benefits of this work because of something that I could have, you know, just a little something I could have explained a different way or, or, you know, or somehow, you know, conveyed something, you know, differently. And so for all of you folks, you know, please believe me, you are not putting me out at all to get in touch with me and ask me questions that you have. Okay. I will be more than happy to answer them. Okay. Now there's two ways that I recommend getting in touch with me, right? Number one is through email, right? It's the most simple thing, right? It just art at artburnscoaching.com. A-R-T at A-R-T-B-U-R-N-S-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. Okay, artburnscoaching.com. And um, and so you can shoot me an email and I, I answer every single email that comes into that mailbox. Okay, I promise you that. Uh, but the other way to get in touch with me that's maybe a little bit more fun, a little more personal is um, is that we can have what, what another coach I know calls a virtual cup of coffee together. Okay, and, um, and I like to think about that, even though I don't drink coffee anymore. So it'd be a cup of tea for me, but you're welcome to have coffee 
or a beer or whatever you like um, while I'm having my tea. And the thing about this, the, the reason why I like to, to phrase it that way is that, you know, there's no expectations of a cup of coffee, right? Two people sit down for a cup of coffee. It's a cheap thing. So whoever buys, it's not like some kind of huge investment that we feel like we owe, you know, some return on or anything like that. You know, it's a very simple thing. Just two people mutually sitting down and just sharing a little time together. Okay. And the reason I say that is because, you know, if you do book a call with me and oh, I should have said the, the way to, to arrange this virtual cup of coffee or tea or beer or wine or whatever, uh, is to simply go to my website, artburnscoaching.com. And right there on the very front page, as soon as it, it pops up, you're going to see a, a, a little button that says, uh, book a call with me. I think that's what it says. Something to that effect, something about booking a call, hit that button and you're going to open up into my calendar. Okay. And, and you will see the, the times of the days in the near future where I am available and the times that I'm not available, will be blocked out. Okay. So, so simply choose a time that works for you. Uh, click the button and it will automatically be scheduled. It'll pop up on my calendar. It'll send me an email and I will show up, you know, we'll, I'll have to get your phone numbers up, but we'll deal with that through messaging. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because the reason I compare that to this virtual cup of coffee or tea or whatever is that there's no obligation. Okay, this is not something you have to pay for. This is not something where you're going to, you know, I'm, you know, sure, I'll talk to you as long as you listen to my sales pitch. You know, it's, it's nothing like that. Okay, it's just two people sitting down for coffee. Okay, and so I would be more than happy to do that for you or with you. Okay, uh, anytime, seriously. Okay, anytime that there's an availability in my calendar, fill that availability up and I will be more than happy to talk to you about any of this stuff. And that includes, you know, answering questions. It includes, um, you know, hearing your comments. It includes hearing suggestions. It includes, uh, you know, anything under the sun. All right. Uh, so with that, I'm going to sign off. Uh, I took a little bit longer today than I expected to, and I really appreciate you paying attention to me. And, um, and I really do appreciate your time here. And, um, and lastly, I want to tell you that I wish you well. All right. And I really do. I mean that really. Okay. Uh, so folks, thanks again. And, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, have a great day, everybody. So long. Bye-bye.